Hey, welcome to Home Church Podcast. It is a good day to have a good day. I'm Pastor Jerry Kuhn, and I want to say thank you so much for joining us today. My hope is that you will respond to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to you in and through this message today. And I believe that he will draw you into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, where you are passionate about loving God, doing good, and being a friend. I hope that you enjoy the message today. Because of family, uh, we hope that you continue to have uh, a Merry Christmas. And, and I, I, my prayer is that in the midst of all of what's happening uh, in our world and, and uh, the busyness of what Christmas seems to uh, take on, I pray that you stop, you ponder, you, and uh, you continue to find yourself in awe of what Christmas really means. And that is that God loved you. Uh, God loved you. Uh, he loved me. And he sent his only begotten son. And that Baby Jesus um, was born, and, uh, and so we are thankful for that, that God orchestrated his plan, and that plan included Jesus coming to this earth today. Um, usually, at the beginning of service, I go back to the back with all of our kids, and uh, I uh, have the opportunity to bless our kids. That's what I do. That's what I love to do. That's what I always dreamed that I would have the opportunity. Today, we were down on numbers, and, uh, and so we brought our kids with us uh, in the building, and uh, where's Pastor Kelly? Pastor Kelly's with us. She's going to come up with me, and uh, they have, now what we do, this is called a mystery message, and simply all they're going to do is bring my wife and I a um, an item that they have already picked out, and, um, and my wife will have 30 seconds to look at that item. Um, I will have 30 seconds to look at the item that is given to me, um, and then we will preach to you the most dynamic five-minute message that you have heard in your life. All right, all right, all right. So turn around, Pastor Kelly. I don't want you to look at the gifts. I want you to get a, a head a shot. Uh, is this mine? Give, you want to give that to Pastor Kelly? Because that, that one's easy. <laughs> oh, I'm sure glad you got that one. All right, I'll, uh, this says, plant these seeds to save the beads, pollinator kit. That is so awesome. Well, let me, I've already had my 30 seconds, and this is pretty easy, to be honest with you. Um, and the reason being is when I look at this, um, this kit, I'm going to really go with me here, right? Um, this kit was designed and developed for a purpose, um, and there's a reason for this. And the creator of this had a purpose um, designed exactly for it. You and I today, uh, we were created with a purpose. Um, you and I are continuing. This is, this is a pollinator kit. Um, and so you and I today, uh, we are shedders. Um, we can shed joy. Um, we can continue to pollinate, um, if you will, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, you and I are today are to continue to share the good news um, of Jesus. And you could too be a pollinator as well. Um, and so you were created with a purpose. And, and we pray that you will continue to find your purpose within Christ Jesus today. Woo-hoo! All right, Pastor Kelly, you need a mic? Yeah, for those who are online, they want to hear your, your beautiful message as well. All right, here we go. Bam! Yes, yes. She's too short for the... <laughs> I'm glad you gave me this one. Hey, okay, listen. so this is a bubble disc. So a what? A bubble. Get back. Jack. Can I have that one? This is a bubble disc, and it has um, some of that soap stuff, you know, that you make the little bubbles for in the kids. But this one is, like, bigger, so you can put, make, I guess, more bubbles at a time. But what I thought about when I first saw this was um, it takes this soap, and it pushes it through holes so it would be just how they want it to be. 
it would be formed in the, the circle that it wants, the size that it wants. And so it brought back to my mind a scripture, Romans 12 and 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And the world, that's like the world. You know, they just want to take us and they want to make us into what they oh, think yeah. that we Listen should be. Oh, yeah, to you, preacher. <laughs> Hey, you have your time. I didn't pay attention to his, so um, <laughs> I was thinking of mine. So, you know, the world just wants to mold us and make us and tell us what we are supposed to be, what we're supposed to look like, and what we're supposed to do, where we're supposed to go. But God says that, that um, you can prove what is good and acceptable and perfect. All of those things that the world tells us that is good and acceptable and perfect, they're not. It's only the things that God has given us and tells us and leads us to. Um, the other things are just um, just uh, trying to be what what God is, and will never come, will never meet the mark. So, whenever you're looking at those um, girls, those videos, or those pictures of the girls that just look just perfect, and you know, well, they're probably photoshopped quite a bit, but we don't have to be fitting into a, an image of this world. We need to be asking God to mold us and to make us and to be in the image that he wants us to be and created in his image. Give it up to Pastor Kelly. Wow. All right. Um, If you bow your heads in a word of prayer, we'll go ahead and dismiss. What a great service we had today. Um, Um, Listen, I want to take you to Acts chapter 26. I'm going to preach today on this thought. I'm um, convinced. I I could not get this story out of my head um, last week. Uh, Last week, we ended a series called Joy to the World. Uh, We ended the series with the message entitled Rejected Joy. Uh, And we talked about a a story of of a gentleman um, named King Agrippa. And when I read that, um, all week I've been bothered by this statement. And the statement that King Agrippa gives, and he said, "You own Paul, you almost persuaded me. You almost convinced me. And all week I've been really bothered by that because I believe that we've all been, perhaps been in that same state of mind. We've, been, we've perhaps wore those same shoes where we haven't been quite convinced. We haven't been quite persuaded, um, perhaps... Uh, for the gospel of Jesus' sake, whatever it may be, we haven't been convinced, and, and, uh, and, and it bothered me. So I'm going to take you to Acts chapter 26, um, verse 1 through 3, and then we're going to skip to 29, 24 and through 29. I'm going to give you this story that bothered me all week, and then I'm going to give you another story of some men that was convinced. King Agrippa quite wasn't convinced, but then in a few minutes we'll talk about some men that was convinced. Um, verse 1 says, then, then Agrippa said to Paul, You are permitted to speak for yourself. Don't let anybody speak for you. You can speak. And so Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, especially because you are an expert in all the customs of the Jews and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. Paul is about to um, share his testimony. He's about to share his story. He's about to testify about all the things that were happening through and in him. And, uh, and he was excited. He said, I am happy happy today to testify about what God has been doing within me. And then I want to skip down to verse 24 because then all of a sudden from, from verse 4 all the way to 23, we find that Paul um, is uh, demonstrating or perhaps testifying of the things that God had done in him. Um, that moment when he was blinded, that moment that God struck him off his horse, all those things that happened, he testified. And then in verse 24, I want you to listen to King Agrippa again. In verse 24, 
um, after hearing his heart, after hearing his testimony, it says, now as they must made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. <laughs> Much learning is driving you mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason for the king, for the king before whom I also speak freely knows these things. For I am convinced that none of these things escape his attention since this thing was done not in a corner. And king Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe, Paul answered him. And then he said, then King Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuaded me. You almost convinced me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for the chains. He's like, man, I want everyone who's here, my testimony, anybody that's heard my voice today, I hope that they at least almost consider is what he's saying. I hope they just consider it. But then again, I hope that they really are convinced that Jesus is God, is the Messiah. And except, except for the chains, I, I don't want them to have the chains. I don't want them to have to go through this, but I want them to be absolutely convinced i'm going to take you to matthew now again i told you all week that story i shared that with you last week and and i said it was a moment of rejection of jesus and maybe jesus was always to be rejected um we realized that he was a re the cornerstone that the people had rejected um and we find that in the story with king agrippa king agrippa not being convinced not being persuaded rejected jesus in that moment and that bothered me all week. How can someone share his heart, testify the goodness of God, and still not be convinced of, what, of who Jesus is and that he is the Messiah? And then I begin to think of some men in the Bible who were convinced. Um, and I want to take you to a story uh, because I think that you and I today, I hope that when you leave this building, you are convinced. Our purpose, our the reason why we exist as a church, uh, and I always felt this, is that God has ordained you and I to lead people into a committed relationship with Jesus Christ where they're passionate about loving God, doing good, and being a friend. Um, that's why we are here. We are here to lead people. We as a church, we are here to do so as well, corporately and individually. And, uh, and so here we are in this Matthew. I want to take you to Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. It's quite a few verses here. But I want to give you this story. Now, every one of you perhaps have heard this story. You've heard it preached. You've probably heard it from different angles of Jesus walking on the water. Um, but there's something at the end of this story that, is, has, that got my attention. It was the moment that the disciples said, I am convinced. Now, remember, King Agrippa wasn't convinced. He wasn't persuaded. But all of a sudden, these disciples were convinced that Jesus was truly the Son of God. And I've asked myself, and I've read the story many times, why, why this story? Why this moment in their lives? And hopefully we can answer those questions. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 says this. Immediately, now remember, some of you may know that Jesus just got done feeding the 5,000. He's been talking about faith. All of a sudden, he said, boys, we're all tired. You need to go. Um, I'm going to go and pray. I'm going to send you to the other side. So in verse 22, he said, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there done. And 
<clears throat> but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took him, saying to him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And when he heard, when, and when they got into the boat, I want you to look at this verse 22, uh, verse 32. Verse 31, we find that all of a sudden, Jesus reaches out his hand and took him, saying, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? In verse 32, it says, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worship him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. I, I want to take your, your attention to two verses there. Verse 32, first of all, because I, I don't know, maybe this is for somebody today. And I believe that God spoke to me last night for one of us in this building today. And, and, and I believe that some of us, we think that because we have cried out in the midst of our greatest moment of fear and, and, and turmoil and our life's going crazy and God reached out and he grabbed our hand, we expect at that moment that everything would cease and the wind would cease and the waves would cease and, and, and the destruction to our boat would cease and everything would come back to normal and everything would be great and everything would be perfect. And we thought that would happen because we cried out to Jesus and Jesus grabbed our hand, right? And we thought all of a sudden everything would be go back to normal. But when we look at Peter's life in this moment, in this story, when Jesus grabbed his hand, when he was sinking in the water and he grabbed his hand and he reached out and he pulled him out of the water, nothing changed. The wind was still raging. The waves were still beating the boat. And the Bible said it wasn't until they got back into the boat that the wind ceased. Ah, I don't know. Someone's eyes need to be open today because we think that all of a sudden we gave our heart to the Lord and everything's going to be fixed and everything's going to be perfect and the circumstance that we're going through is not going to be like that anymore. But maybe, just maybe, God wants you to walk with him hand in hand in the midst of the situation that you're going through. Maybe that's the test. Maybe that's the answer today. Because, see, Jesus walked with Peter hand in hand until they got into the boat. And that, to me, is a picture of Jesus walking with us every step, one day at a time, Lord Jesus. That's all I'm asking from you. Help me to walk one day at a time. But then it's verse 33. It's this moment that his disciples opened their eyes. Now, listen, I don't know about you, but the disciples have been with him for quite some time now. And it was this moment that they said, truly, you are the Son of God. It was in this moment that they were convinced, that it was, they were persuaded, they were convinced without a shadow of doubt that he was truly the Son of God. I don't know about you, but it takes me a long time to get some things. I'm a little slow, I think. Um, my wife actually bought me this shirt one time. It was this monkey. He has a uh, dynamite in one hand. On the other side, he's bandaged up. His head's bandaged. His leg's bandaged. And he still has a dynamite in his hand. He says, I'm a slow learner. Listen, I am a slow learner. Um, it's like I, I, there's some things in my life that I'm just going to have to repeat that test again and again until I'm like, oh, I probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's just the way it is for me. But I'm like looking at these disciples like these guys might have been a little slow 
Why in the world? Why it took them so long to be convinced? And you say, well, pastor, I don't get it. Let me give you. Up to this point in their life, the disciples with Jesus, they had seen a lot of things. I mean, you're in most of them, four of them, were called out. You might have remembered this. They were called out from the boat. You remember they were fishing? They fished all night. And Jesus walks up and said, hey, guys, you catch anything? They're like, absolutely not. And they said, drop your net on the other side. And when they did, they caught lots of fish. They wasn't able to pull them in. And I don't know about you, but it would have been that moment I'd be like, that's the sun of God right there. But it was seemed like that moment they wasn't even convinced. How about the moment that they stood before Jesus, with Jesus, and watched the, the skin of a leopard change right before their eyes? The Bible says that Jesus healed the leopard. And I don't know about you today, but if there's going to be something that's going to convince me, is sitting in the presence of God, watching him change the individual skin and disease right before my own eyes. But they wasn't convinced at that moment. It was the moment that they healed a, Jesus healed a centurion servant. It was the moment that he healed Peter's mother-in-law. They, they watched all these moments before them, but neither of these moments did they stop and say, truly, you are the son of God. You see, even in the moment, and maybe you remember this, they were in a boat very similar to this moment in their lives where the wind was beating against the boat, but this time, Jesus was in the boat. And you remember the story, Jesus, they went, the disciples walked, uh, went down to where Jesus was, woke him up and said, hey, do you want us to die? You're like, man, the, the waves and, and the sea is destroying our boat, and you're just here sleeping. And Jesus got up, and he said, oh, you little faith, and he calmed the wind in the waves, and but they didn't say at that moment that they were truly convinced, like, oh, truly, you're the son, son of God. They watched Jesus heal two demon-possessed men. They watched Jesus heal a paralytic man. They watched Jesus heal a lame man. They watched him heal a man at the pool of Bethesda. They, they watched this being performed right before their eyes, but none of these moments led them to say, truly, you are the son of God. You see, he, they watched Jesus bring a little girl back to life. Mama saying, my, my daughter is sick. My daughter is dead. And Jesus brings her back to life. He healed a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years. They were in the midst of that, 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 all that commotion and that crowd when the woman was pressing through and touched Jesus. They were there. And they watched that happen. They watched 5,000 men plus women and children be fed by a little boy's lunch. And still, none of these moments convinced them that Jesus was God, that he was the Messiah, that he was truly the Son of God. He taught, listen, I want you to hear this. Jesus taught faith. He lived faith out in front of them, but still they lacked it. Isn't still, let's just be honest with all of us in the room today, isn't that like you and I today? We still, we've had people that have lived faith in front of us, they taught faith in front of us, and still you and I lack faith at times. Jesus in himself has lived out faith before you and I, he's taught faith to you and I, and still at moments it's like, oh ye of little faith, why do you still doubt me? So in the moments of our life that we still lacked perhaps some faith. And what I mean is that they were not convinced because, I, well, first of all, I have wrestled. I want you to know I have wrestled with this. I've wrestled with God for the why. Why did it take this moment? And last night as I was putting the finishing touches on this, I wrestled. And I was like, God, why did it take this moment for the disciples to be convinced that he was truly God? Why? Why this moment? I mean, all these moments prior why this moment? What I mean is that they were not convinced because of God's authority over the wind and the waves. They wasn't convinced over with, 
God's authority over the wind and waves. And what I mean by that is that God had demonstrated that in that story that I told you about Jesus being in the boat. And Jesus got up and he spoke to the wind and the waves and the waves were calm, silent, ceased. So they wasn't convinced by God's authority over the wind and the waves. So why now? Why now in this story that we read with the disciples that Jesus walking on water, why did it take this moment for them to be convinced? I want you to look back over your life and say, why did it take so many years for me to be convinced? Why did it take that moment when I hit rock bottom to be convinced? Why did it take that incident, that circumstance, that moment? Why did it take me to go through all of that to get to the point where I was like, I'm truly convinced that God, that Jesus is the Son of God? Why did it take me almost losing my marriage before I realized that Jesus was the Son of God? Why? 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 Well, I wrestled with that. And so I, um, I hope that I may have some answers for you. Maybe, maybe when I look at this story, maybe it was because it was the first time that the disciples, maybe it was the first time the disciples felt hopeless in a moment without Jesus. This is the very first time that they had they were going through a hopeless situation, a, a moment without Jesus being in his, the presence of them. Now, you can think about this for a moment. Uh, they, everything that they encountered with Jesus was with Jesus. Remember the winds and the waves I told you? Jesus was in the boat. All they had to do was wake him up. But this moment, Jesus was nowhere to be found. He wasn't there. I mean, when the wind was raging and beating against the boat, and the boat was filling up with water. Jesus was not there at that moment. Maybe it was because the first time that they had to actually exercise their faith. You see, every other moment, I mean, when they healed the leopard, when they healed the, um, the lame man, the paralytic guy, the, the brought the little girl back to, to, to life, it wasn't their faith that was exercised. It was Jesus' faith that was exercised. And then this moment, they had to exercise their own faith. How many of you guys um, in your life, you realize that good godly friendships and relationships are key to make it through the, the life that we live today? I am so thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for good, good godly relationships because their faith will help me when my faith is lacking. <laughs> um, your faith... When it lacks, my faith will help you. It's just the way it is. It's the reason why my wife and I have such a great relationship. Um, and because it's, it's just the way it works. When perhaps I'm struggling, um, I'm, my wife's like, ah, God has this, man. Why are you doubting? Why are you fretting? Why are you bothered? It's all going to be all right. And at that moment, they were by themselves in that boat trying to exercise their own faith. And maybe, maybe it was the love that Jesus showed them in this moment in spite of their faith that really convinced them that he was God. I want you to get that just for a moment. Maybe it was Jesus' love for them in this moment in spite of their lack of faith that convinced them that he was truly the son of God. I'm going to give you four points this morning and uh, we'll move fairly quickly through them. Point number one is this. Maybe, maybe when Christ showed them love in their moment, in spite of their little faith, maybe it was in their moment of fear, Jesus revealed himself to them. 
I want you to think about that. If you're taking notes today, I want you to take this note. Um, in their moment of fear, God revealed himself. I think if you look back over your life, you'll notice that there have been moments of fear. 2020, uh, 2019 handed every one of us today a, a year of fear. Um, it was crazy. All of us can go, oh my goodness, 2019, 2020, 2021 uh, were um, years that we don't want to repeat. It was crazy what happened in those years. Now, I got to tell you today, it was a, a years, years of fear. Still today, we have people living in fear. But I'm thankful that in the moment of your fear, God can reveal himself to you to a point that you are convinced that he is truly the Son of God. Of God, I want you to take for a moment when Jesus was on the water and uh, the disciples are rowing. The Bible says this story could be shared in two different gospels. One gospel says they have been rowing all night against the current, um, and they are in the middle of the lake. They have been rowing all night trying to get to the other side, to the destination. They seem to be getting nowhere. I don't know about you, but there's been moments in my life where I feel like I was spinning my wheels and getting nowhere. And in that moment, we find that Jesus is walking on the water, and the Bible says they were scared. They had fear has struck their life, and in that moment of fear, I believe that God began to reveal himself. And it was in that moment that God spoke to them. Jesus spoke to the disciples, and he said, he said fear not, for it, it is I. It was in that moment that Jesus spoke into the life of the disciples that convinced them that truly he is the Son of Son of God. It was in that moment. And so maybe in this story alone, it took this story because it took it a moment of fear that gripped them so much, that paralyzed them, that all they were doing was stuck in the middle of the lake getting nowhere. It was in that moment that all of a sudden God spoke to them. Now, I don't know about how you feel about this, but I believe that God can speak into our lives today that reveals something so pertinent to who he is that changes our life to the moment that we go, when? God is truly God. Jesus is truly the Messiah. He is the son of the living God. It was in that moment it changes everything for us. I believe there's moments in our lives that we will reach out to God's word and let God speak to us in his and through his word. It was in that moment that we go, wow, man, I am convinced without a doubt that God is God, that Jesus is the son of God. Perhaps the Bible will open up many things to you, and all of a sudden, it, Psalms chapter 27, verse 1 begins to speak to you, and it says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold hold of life. Whom shall I be afraid? And it's in that moment that I was like, aha, God is truly God. And I'm convinced today that he is. Psalm chapter 46, 1 through 3 says this. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though, listen to this, though the earth gives away, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam through the mountains, tremble at its swelling, Selah, all of a sudden we find in this moment of scripture in verse 46, the moment that you're convinced that everything it's going to be all right. I'm not going to fear. I love this. He is my refuge and my strength, my very present help in time of trouble. And therefore, I will not fear. I am convinced today when his word speaks to me 
that he is absolutely in God. No matter what I go through, no matter what I face in life, I know that he's God and everything is going to be all right. Maybe you've done some study on some words, and uh, I don't know if you've read uh, Psalms, and, and Psalms does many occasions have this word, Selah, at the end of uh, a couple of verses. And what that really means today, um, this was a, a poetic moment. Um, most of these were psalmists. They were songs. They were songs. And it was a moment that all of a sudden there was this interlude and there was music, but it was no singing. It was a pause. It was a moment called, it was a moment for you to think about it. That all of a sudden these words meant something so much that you wanted to stay, take a break and think about, ponder on what was truly said. And so this morning, can we just ponder on that? I want to read that again, and I want you to really take that to heart. In the moment of fear, the disciples, in the moment of, the, of fear, God revealed himself to his disciples, spoken to their life. And I got to tell you today, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what moment you're, I mean, what situation you're facing, but I'm sure that there's fear connected to it. And I got to tell you, in that moment, God can speak to you and convince you that he is truly, truly God. God is our refuge. He is our strength. He is a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Why? Because he's our refuge and that's our strength. And he's our very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we not fear, though the earth gives away, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at his swelling. Selah, I'm thinking about that. Man, how great is our God. Psalm chapter 56 and verse 3 or 4 says this, When I'm afraid... I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, I want you to think about this today. And I, and I hope that you're convinced that in the midst of your situation, I don't know what you're going through, but when I looked at the disciples' story, um, I realized that in their moment of fear, God spoke to them. He revealed himself to them. Hey, be not afraid, it is I. Who's that? Is that a ghost out there? What's going on? Who's on the water? They were afraid of their life. They were afraid of what's happening. They were afraid of the, all the what-ifs. What if that's not Jesus? What if? What if? And all of a sudden, God spoke to them in that moment and revealed himself to them. And everything began to be at ease. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says this. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not into you and I. I got you. I have to let you know today that to be able to call peace upon your storm is not the authority that, that you obtain by on who you are. You obtain authority through Jesus Christ to be able to call peace upon your storm. Absolutely. But the power is not in you of who you are. But it is in Christ. The power belongs to God and not of us. Verse 8 says this. We are afflicted in every way. Yet we are not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but yet not destroyed. I need someone to be here today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing in life. But listen, you may be afflicted in every way, but you're not crushed, buddy. Hey, I, I got to tell you today that you may feel perplexed and everything's complicated in your situation. But I got to tell you that you will not be driven to despair. I got to tell someone this morning that you may feel persecuted, but you've not been forsaken. God has never left you, and he never will. I got to tell someone in this building, you may have felt struck down, but you're not destroyed. 
You may felt knocked out. You may, you may feel like Rocky, and every time you get up, you get knocked back down, but you keep getting up for some reason because you've not been struck down. You're not out. And God hasn't counted you out, and don't, don't you count yourself out today because i got to tell you that in the moment of your fear, the, moment, the greatest moment of fear, God can speak to you, reveal himself to you, to the moment that you are convinced that he is he is God. Point number two today. In the moment, and their moment of questioning, God revealed himself. You say, well, pastor, I didn't read any time in that story that they questioned. Really? Peter stood up on the boat. I don't know about you. I like Peter. Peter was tired of rowing. Now, I got to tell you, the waves of the current is still beating against the boat. I want you to get this picture. They're all 12 of them are rowing. And all of a sudden, one person stops rowing and stands up. Guess what happens? All other 11 has to row harder to keep up with the one person that's not rowing. So it would be almost like all the other 11 going, Peter, get back to rowing, man. You're making this difficult. What are you doing? And Peter jumps up and he said, if that's you, hear the question? If that's you, you call me out there too, Jesus. See, Jesus, see, Peter in that moment, in the moment of his fear, in the moment of that situation, he begins to question, if that's you, then I need you to call me out there. If that's you, and I got to tell you to that, in the moment that you, in your moment of your questioning, God's going to reveal himself to you. You say, well, I don't question God. Really? No one is ever, now listen, you don't question the sovereignty of God because God is God and God does what God does. But there's no, nothing wrong with saying, hey, God, I'm not understanding this. Hey, God, I need, to, I need you to inform me a little bit about what's going on. And I believe that there's nothing wrong with questions. And I've questioned God before. I've questioned, God, why did you call me to pastor? I'm not qualified to pastor. God, I'm, I'm more qualified to, to do the work and to be the second fiddle. I'm not the guy to be the main guy. I've questioned all of his plans for my life. I've questioned everything. The only thing I didn't question was the woman that he gave me. I was like, I'll, I'll take her. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No questioning. But all of us, in the moment of our questioning, I believe that God can reveal himself to you and I. And I pray that you let him. You say, well, Pastor, won't you give me an example? I will. How many of you guys ever sat down at your table with your wife and you're like, I, don't, I just don't know how we're going to make it this week? I don't know how we're going to make it this month. Our finances are tight. I, I, I don't get it. I don't know, I don't, we, don't ha, we don't have the money to tithe. We don't have the money to give to the church. We don't have the money. We're going to have to get a second job. We, we, we can't get involved in the church because now we've got to get a third job. I don't know how. And what you're doing, without, doing, without knowing that you're doing it, is you're questioning God's ability to provide for you. God, are you going to be Jehovah Jireh this month or are you not? God, are you capable of delivering me out of all these things that's happening within my life or am I going to have to look somewhere else? And we question without knowing that we're questioning. And I'm believing today that in the moment of your questioning, God's going to reveal himself to you and absolutely look you face to face and say, absolutely, I am able to meet your needs. Absolutely, am I able to strengthen you in the midst of your situation. Absolutely, am I able to heal you. Absolutely, I am that God. In that moment, you are convinced that he is 
He's got, I wish I had faith like Abraham. <laughs> I, well, some of you may go, I don't want to be Abraham. I don't want a child at my old age. Well, I'm not talking about old age children, all right? Um, I'm talking about having the faith of Abraham when God looks at him and he says, hey, I want you, I want you to take what I have given you, your promise, your only son, and I want you to sacrifice him. And in that moment, I never read, and perhaps you can help me out if you've read it, I never read that Abraham questioned God. You sure? <laughs> uh, you sure? I mean, maybe I misunderstood you, God. Maybe you wanted me to sacrifice this. I mean, not my son. You promised my son. No. No, Abraham loads everything he needs for an altar, everything he needs for a fire. And he takes his son and he goes, and the Bible says that only information that God gives him was the mountains. I want you to go to the mountains. And the closer you get to the mountains, then I'll tell you where I want you to be. <coughs> I don't know about you, but I have a lot of questions for God. God, I want to know, do I need to go to the first mountain or the second mountain or the third mountain? Because, you know, I need to, I need to plan for this. I need to have everything in row, in, in, in a, all my ducks in a row. I need to make sure I know what I'm doing. And God just says, I want you to go to the mountain range. And I'll tell you when I get there. And, and I just wondered today, was it that the fact that even though he had the faith not to question, every step of that mountain, God had already provided the sacrifice and Abraham didn't even know it. You see, this is what I want you to get today. There's nothing wrong with questioning. Because I believe in the moment that you question is the moment that God's going to reveal himself to you. And God's going to reveal himself in such a way he's going to say, I already got the ram Provide it for the sacrifice. And every step of obedience that you take is a step of obedience that that ram's going to take on the other side of the hill that you just can't see. That's what I want you to know today. Now, I know that life is not easy. I know that being a parent in, in 2021, fixed to be 2022, oh my goodness, how did we get here? <laughs> I know it's not easy. But I got to tell you today, man, God will reveal himself to you to the point that you're like, God, you are God. You are God. Because I believe that when, when we question God, God, are you going to provide? And then God does provide for us. Oh. We're like, God, you are God. God, you heard my prayers. God, you answered my prayers. Wow, God, I'm convinced today that you see me right where I'm at today. You know what I need in my life. So God, thank you so much today. I want to point number three today. In their moment of distraction, he revealed himself. If you work around me any length of time, you'll realize that I get distracted really easy. If you try to talk to me for any length of time, you'll realize I get really distracted. My eyes will wander. Uh, we'll be in a conversation talking, and then all of a sudden something will happen over here. And, and not meaning to, I will quit looking at you to look at what happened over there. I, I will still be engaged somehow with you. I'm, I'm hearing you. I maybe not be listening to you, but I'm hearing you because I'm wondering what just happened over there. It's called a squirrel. I have a lot of squirrels um, within my life, and I get distracted quite often. Um, and maybe you've, getting, you've been distracted as well within your life, and, um, and perhaps you have the, the same thing. But we find that the disciples are on, and I want you to listen to this. I want you to see the story. Um, disciples are on the boat. Jesus, Peter jumps up, and he says, hey, if that's you, He's questioning, if that's you, call me on the water. And the Bible says that Jesus says, 
come. He calls Peter on the water. What an amazing faith it was for him to step on the water. Now listen, I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know how far Peter walked. He might have walked five feet. He might have walked ten feet. He might have walked a mile. I have no clue. I don't think he walked a mile. The lake wasn't that wide for that, but he, walked a, he could have walked a long ways. doesn't tell us. The fact that Peter walked on the water is pretty amazing. You know what's amazing, even more amazing? Is that well, what we don't consider is that Peter not only walked by himself, but he walked with Jesus. He walked the whole time. He walked by himself, and then when he sank, Jesus raised him up, and then he walked with Jesus still on the water, but he was just walking with Jesus. See, we, we throw a lot of stones at the guy. Oh, he got distracted, and he began to get sink. He began to sink. But man, he even, even in the midst of that, he walked on water with Jesus. I got to tell you today that it was that moment that he was distracted that I believe that God revealed himself to him. You see, the Bible says that he got distracted by the winds. Excuse me. <laughs> Jackson, do you want to turn something off? All right. For those who are watching online, we are very sorry. At Taco Bell last night. I'm sorry, I was, shouldn't have said that. Um, can't take it back now. <laughs> gotta roll, gotta roll. All right, so point number three. In their, in their moment of distraction, God revealed himself to them. Peter was distracted by the winds and the waves, and the Bible says he got his eyes off of Jesus, and he began to sink. How many of you guys have found in your life, too, um, that you've gotten your eyes off of Jesus? Hey, listen, I'm looking around today, and there's no mo more holier than thousand here, I'd hope. Um, I think that we all realize that none of us are perfect today. Um, all of us still need the help um, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit within our lives to continue to reach that point, which is to be like Jesus. Uh, we will only accomplish that when we get to heaven, um, but that is our goal. We want to be like him, um, and, and there are moments within all of our lives that we have become distracted. We've been so distracted that our eyes have no longer been on Jesus, but upon everything else around us. And it's in that moment that we begin to sink, is when we get our eyes off of Jesus and focus on everything else around us. And I got to tell you today, all of us will face that time in our lives where we get distracted. And I want to tell you that in the moment of your distraction is the moment that when you cry out to God, God will reveal himself to you to be the true loving God that he is today. You see, I wonder, I always pictured this, um, if I was Jesus and Peter is, got distracted, and, and what would I have done at that moment? Peter, you little faith, I can't believe you, pushing back under the water, pull him up, pushing back under, pull him up, pushing back under the water. Come on, guy, what are you thinking? Uh, I probably wouldn't have done that. But Jesus reached down, pulls him up, steadies his feet on the water, and begins to walk with Peter. And it's in that moment that God revealed himself to Peter to be the loving God that he is. To be the, the God of restoration. The God of reconciliation. The God of re, uh, not just restoration, but transformation within our life. That's what God is to you and I today. Is God can take you in the moment of your greatest distraction and refocus you. And I got to tell you, there's been moments that God had to refocus. He had to bring clarity to some situations within my life. But there's been moments that he's like, okay, there's a lot of squirrels in your life. We got to get rid of these squirrels, son. We got to refocus you. And you got to let me be the main center of your life. And I, wanted, I want you to be encouraged today that maybe you are distracted today. Maybe there's a lot going on. 
God hasn't given up on you. And God hasn't pushed you back under the water to see how many more bubbles you can, you can push back up off. No. God loves you. And God has reached out towards you to pull you back up, to refocus you, to bring clarity to your life and to the situation. And I got I to gotta tell you that in the moment of their distraction was the moment that he revealed himself to them. Maybe that was the reason why they were convinced at the end of it. You are truly the son of God. Here's the fourth one today. Is in the moment of their restoration, he revealed himself to, to them. Well, so pastor, I don't get, where's the restoration? Really? They get, Peter gets distracted. And Peter, God reached, Jesus reaches down and pulls him out of the water. He was sinking. He was dying. He was, it was over. But Jesus reaches down and pulls him out of the water, steadies his feet, feet upon the water, and walks with him to the boat. Now, I got to tell you today, that is a story of reconciliation and restoration and repentance that I've ever seen it. God, I've got distracted. Please forgive me. God, I, God I, I got unfocused there for a moment. You wasn't the center of my life. You wasn't priority. Uh, number one, God, help me to refocus. Help me bring clarity to my life. God, help me. It's in that moment of restoration that God actually revealed himself. And what he said to you and I today in this story is that, hey, listen, I'm going to walk with you hand in hand. I'm not expecting you to do it all by yourself. I have, I have placed the Holy Spirit within you to teach you, to guide you, to, uh, to lead you. In all of, of, of my ways, listen, God is telling you and I today that in the moment of your restoration, this walk that you're walking out with him today, he's going to be there and reveal himself every step of the way. He's holding you by the hand. You're walking on the water again. Perhaps you sunk there for a moment, but now you are walking on the water with him. I don't know about you. If I was Peter, that first moment... I was walking on the water toward Jesus, and it, I, didn't, I wasn't successful. I got a little distracted. Jesus holds my hand. I don't think I'm going to let go of God's hand. I'm like, hey, listen, this is pretty good. I mean, as long as I got a hold of your hand, I'm staying afloat. I'm on top of the water. Everything's underneath me. And I got to tell you today, as long as you keep your hand in his hand. Remember, we talked about uh, John chapter 15 where we said, hey, listen, if I abide in him, he abides in me. Oh, if I just keep my hand in his hand, I'm going to stay on top of the water. I'm going to stay afloat. Um, and when I get back to the destination that God wants me, everything's going to be okay. I wonder if there are things within our life that has a, a divine beginning and a divine end. Some of the things that you are facing today, I believe, had a divine beginning and a divine end. It's only going to end when God says it's going to end. It only happened in your life because God said it was going to happen in your life. It has a divine beginning and a divine end. Peter, in this story, we find that it had a divine beginning. God said, go to the other side. Boys, get in the boat and go. And all of a sudden, we find that they have this situation that happens. And it wasn't until they got back into the boat, Peter and Jesus, that the waves ceased. That was the divine end. And I got to tell you today that I know that your overwhelming situation that has caused you fear, that has allowed you to question, that perhaps has caused you to be distracted, is going to be a moment that is going to restore you to the point that you're going to go, ah, he's truly the son of God. I am convinced today that he is God. Pastor Kelly, would you come?
When we look at the story of the disciples, there's a lot of ups and downs with the disciples' life. They had their moments of their faith, right? They had their moments where their faith was very strong. They had moments where their faith was very, very weak. Obviously, in this story, we find that Jesus looks at Peter and says, Oh, you have little faith. And that was the second time he's already said it once. Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt me? And the disciples had moments. They had their low moments and at times, but, but they were convinced, I believe at this moment, that Jesus was the Son of God. You remember when Jesus was um, Jesus was captured and the crowd is crying, crucify him. And Jesus was whipped, beaten for you and I today. In that moment, the disciples ran and hid. Every one of them besides John. I'm sure that they're just trying to figure life out, right? It was a, it was a moment of, of fear. It was a moment of questioning. It was a moment of distraction. And it was surely not quite yet the moment of restoration. But it was those moments that, that they were repeating in their lives. But the Bible gives us a, a beautiful picture. He paints us a picture of after the life after Jesus dies, after he's resurrected, after he's shown himself to his disciples, there's something that happened that day that just truly convinced the disciples that he was the Son of God. They were so convinced that all of the disciples gave their lives as martyrs besides John. The Bible says that John died of an old age, but all the other ten, they died as martyrs. They gave up their lives. They were so convinced that he was the Messiah that they were willing to die for their faith. The disciples, actually, the apostles, they made this creed. And maybe you know the Apostle Creed, but I want to read it to you today. This is what they said. They were so convinced. They said, I believe in God. I'm convinced that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ. He is the only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified and died and was buried. He descended to hell in the third day. Excuse me. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and the everlasting life. They were convinced that he was the Son of God. That they said, I believe in the Father God Almighty. I believe in Jesus. He's the only Son, and he's our Lord. He said, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins resurrection of the body the everlasting life and they ended by saying amen 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 i'm convinced today that jesus is the son of god and i'm convinced that there is only one god only one god and he loves you and i he loves you and i today I love the story because I think it's another moment of being convinced. John chapter 11, verse 27. This is Mary. If you don't know the story, let me really 
quickly bring it all together. Mary and Martha had a brother by the name of Lazarus. Lazarus died. Before he dies, he was sick, and they sent a message out to Jesus. He was one day away. And so they sent a message with a messenger to Jesus and said, My brother, Lazarus, the one that you love, he is sick. And they thought the response would be, Oh, I love Lazarus, so I'm going to turn and run and do my very best to get there before he dies so I can heal him. But the Bible says that Jesus loved them, so he stayed two more days. I don't get it. It don't look like love, does it? But when Jesus finally shows up late, as Mary would say, he was late. Jesus, you're late. But when Jesus shows up, she makes this statement. Jesus talks to her, shares a few things, and she says this. Verse 27, she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. This is that moment, even though the greatest loss in her life, not knowing what was up the sleeve of Jesus, she said, I believe, I'm convinced, no matter what's happened to me, no matter what's happened to my brother, I still believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you're facing today, but I'm convinced that he's the Son of God. I'm convinced today that he is God Almighty. Amen. Amen. I'm convinced today. I don't care what has gone on in your life. My car broke down. He's still God. It don't change anything. Oh, my house just burned down. Hey, I'm telling you right now, that doesn't change. He's still God. And I'm convinced. Well, you don't know. I lost my job. I'm still convinced. He's God. Nothing changes today. He is God. Would you stand today? Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more messages or find our service time, you can visit us at our website, homechurchtecumsa.com, for more information. And thank you again. And until next time, love God, do good, and be a friend. Be blessed.